Mark Silva, the Outback Silva Bank, and you're listening to the BNT Podcast. This is Josh, the Axe Shooter, and you can check out myself on the lovely DNT Podcast. See you on the flip side. Hey, this is Lewis Spears, and you're listening to the DNT Podcast, not to be confused with the DMT Podcast, which is just about drugs. This one's better. Hey, it's Josh Armour, the host of Wrestle Radio Australia and the voice of Riot City Wrestling in Adelaide, and you are listening to the DNT Podcast. Hey, this is the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. This is the DNT Podcast, taking you to the extreme. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here we are, episode 19 of the DNT Podcast. I'm Gavin. This is Jesse. We've got ourselves a very special guest today. He is the voice of South Australian wrestling and the voice of Wrestle Radio Australia. Josh Jarman is with us over on Skype. How are you going, Josh? Very well, Gavin, Jesse. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'll be as controversial as one of your previous uh, guests, but. Uh, Hey, that was that was a fun listen with Bass. That was great. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, also. Oh yeah. Uh, a little thank you to you for uh, kind of helping us get over in this odd wrestling kind of community at the moment. <laughs> Big thanks for that. Uh, let's start off. So, Riot City Wrestling is where people can hear Josh Armour. Yes. Now, uh, I guess. Before we get into what made you want to commentate and that kind of thing, with Riot City, do you have top moments that you remember calling and just will never forget those? Come oh, jeez. The there's been plenty of those. Uh, I mean, there's, there's ones that instantly stand out. Uh, one that I always point to is Rocky Monero versus Chris Basso when he was still known as Mimic. Uh, that was... That was a hell of a night when they had their no DQ match for the for the title. Um, just the feeling in the building was was electric. There was a moment like that earlier this year when Brad Smythe cashed in his, or sorry, unlocked his uh, <laughs> his key to the city, yes. and and took the Brody Marshall. That was just a, a hell of a moment because uh, you know people have been following RC Dub for years know that Brad's been around you know, for a good eight or nine years and, and never held the RC Dub Championship. So it was just one of those moments that it's like, finally, he did it. Um, very cool moment. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's been – I love those moments that just as somebody who is in the industry and knows kind of how things are done, and, I mean, you're part of it, you're part of the production, but uh, to be taken – a back and really even sucked in to those moments where you feel like a, f- a fan. It's awesome to be a part of. Yeah, definitely on part. Uh, thanks to the wrestlers for that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I've, oh, I've, yeah. Uh, I did see that um, footage of that key to the city unlocking. Yeah. And me and you were um, marking over that and we were in a different state. Yeah. You got me popping. That's for sure. <laughs> but it was definitely a great moment. I'd, 
did enjoy it really exactly. well booked as well. As you heard on, a, I think it was two podcasts ago, our comeback co- podcast, we <laughs> highly put over Brad Smythe because just, just the little things we've seen him do at OCW, we just sucked in and mesmerised. He's just an amazing worker. Grim as well, for oh, sure. Yeah, Grim. Uh, big Brody Marshall's another guy we've seen at OCW that just blows us away. Yeah, you're a big fan of Bro- Big Brody Marshall. I, I do remember that. I'd love to get him on the podcast. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's a good, uh, he's a bloody good podcast guest, I must say. He, he enjoys listening to the shows and he always, whenever he can uh, make a cameo on Wrestle Radio Australia, if we're recording backstage at RC Dub, he's like, bang. He's in there, so oh, uh, yes. you can hear him on the the recent episode with Dean Brady, making a little little appearance. And uh, no, nah, he's he's a good bloke. He is. You'd uh, you'd enjoy having him on, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, all we can do is try. Worst he can say is no. <laughs> we'll I'll butter him up for you. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be in Adelaide at some, within the next year or something because I definitely want to go check it out and I just want to go visit Adelaide because spending one day in Adelaide wasn't enough. <laughs> I know, and that would actually surprise a lot of people on the East Coast to think that they'd be like, well, geez, can't you, you know, knock off Adelaide in about two hours? Like, there's not much there, but it's, it's you know, there's the, the different parts of the of the... I guess the metropolitan area, you know, so, and then out in the country, you've got your places like the Barossa, you've got Handorf, which is a really nice place, amazing oh, food. Loved it there. Yeah, absolutely. Great beer, great beer. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's Adelaide's definitely one of those places. It's got its little pockets that you want to, you want to suss out, yeah, you it's know, good, it's what the place is about. Too. Every place has that, but it's, yeah. you know. Adelaide's yeah. a kind of hidden gem, I guess. Mm-hmm. You gotta totally. Dig, you got to dig through it, and eventually you find the diamonds of it. Is the way you put it. <laughs> That's it. Or as uh, the diamond would be for all of the wrestlers in Australia when they come here, Villies. That's the uh, that's the over spot at the moment. Oh, really? Is that like a restaurant or something? Oh yeah, Villies oh. is like a twenty-four hour bakery, dine-in restaurant. Oh, uh, yeah. The one on South Road, they have like the. Uh, the bakery is basically there, and then they have the cafe next to it. So it's uh, everything is fresh as it's really cool. Oh, that's fantastic, and like the like I was saying before, the events as well. Like you got you got Clipsal in March. You got um, you know obviously you got the Right City as well. But then you've got um, I think at the moment they got the Adelaide Revival for the car. There's a lot of car racing going on in Adelaide. I've noticed as of late as well. Um, with all the classic Formula One cars and stuff like that. There's always something to do in Adelaide, I've noticed as well, like tourism-wise. Yeah, also those those outer regions, like I was mentioning, like the Barossa and, and such places are very good, like you, like you mentioned, tourism hooks to, to get people in and stay a couple of days and oh, go and check out what, what's about the place. And I think that's one of the little, like you said, you know, there's the hidden gems that keep people coming back to Adelaide, you know, or moving here in the case of AJ Istria because he, he dug the uh, the Wrestle Rampage dojo so much and heard Jag on Wrestle Radio Australia actually talking about the place and was like, bugger it, I'm going to move down there, join those guys and uh, and train with Slater and all them. Slater and... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Slater and Jag and all them. And they were on the... Um, Jag A couple was of years later. Chris Jericho podcast too, talking about. Um, well, I think he talked a little bit about the dojo, but yeah, they'll sucking sort of. down. Some, yeah, they'll, they'll pretty. I'm assuming 
drunk. He was pretty yeah. white girl wasted. Yeah, that a little bit. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely worth a listen. Uh, that was a fun show, that. That was good. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get moving on. So, well, how are you guys? I'll throw one at you guys. From from a, a, you know, you guys have been getting into the, yeah, we're up to like what episode twenty now or nineteen? Yeah, nineteen is this one. There we go. Uh, how have you found it as far as uh, starting the show and and trying to get it to people and stuff? Because it's bloody tough. And three and a half years later with WRA, we, we've we've grown what we're doing to something more than just just the one show. It's like the, the network theme, but it's still tough to get that audience, especially when we're, we're putting across like a niche within a niche. It's really bloody hard, but how are you guys finding getting the show off the ground and all that? Uh, at first it was a little difficult because it was a couple of years ago. We tried a podcast. Oh, about, about like, a, a, I think it was in year 12 when we did it. Was it was two years ago. I yeah. Feel like, we tried to get one off the ground, and we did one episode, and just just didn't feel it. And then uh, we had was it, it was DNC Productions, and we we're going to start recording bands and that kind of deal. That fell in the ass, and then we're like, let's let's give podcasting another go. And well, so far, so far, so good. But in terms of getting the audience, that's a yeah, still trying to get that. It's a tough. Know. It's a tough thing getting an an audience, especially like you kind of. When you're in the early stages, you're kind of going to kind of whore yourself out everywhere when it comes to social media and stuff like that. Like, I, yep. I spend so much, like, hours upon hours trying to, you know, find different ways of boosting up, you know, our listeners or finding, you know, interesting guests that we can get on and contacting and stuff like that. Like, like I've even recently, I've probably contacted about 10 or 15 people just to get on the podcast. Some I haven't heard back from, some I have heard back from. But, you know, it. I think gradually after a while now we're kind of getting a name out there and, you know, we got particular people coming on the podcast of, you know, um, you know, people in the local scene, you know, we got um, com- even a comedian that came on as well. Um, we got musicians coming on, you know, kind of try and hit that different variety so there's a bit for everyone. Um, yep. But I think it's made it a little bit easier now that we've kind of um, gotten in a bit we're of a rhythm. We're in the flow of things, I guess. Yeah, if that makes we sense. We know what yeah. we want to achieve and we've kind of got a visualisation of how to get there. Just making it happen is the hard part, which I'm that's, sure you guys that's cool. You guys came across with WRA. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, there was that uh, that part of me. I mean, you always want more listeners, more people hearing what you're doing and them getting it out to their mates. That's ultimately what you, what you want. But I stopped... I used to worry about, okay, will this guest get us more downloads? And then a a while ago, I sort of got to a point where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to talk to the people that I want to have on and, you know, our other hosts have the freedom to do exactly the same. They can have their mum on if they want, you know, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Like just (laughs) give me, give us a, give us a fun show. And, uh, I stopped worrying about having guests on because I was worried about the amount of downloads and yeah, just having doing the show that I I wanted to do and had more fun and do have more fun because of that. And of course you always want more listeners, but 
you're not doing things because of that, if, if that makes sense. You know, things are still very organic in, in what we're doing, yeah. uh, which is why I think, like, you know, our, our sort of – the listens have been up lately and, and that helps – that help has been in part to drawing heat. Uh, people like Ali, who – Muhammad Ali Vyas, who you guys are very familiar with, being yeah. OCW fans. Very familiar. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, got a great he story finally, about that. He finally got that win. Yeah, he got that win. exactly. Yes. We marked out you, so hard. I am not even kidding oh. you. We were probably the only two people going absolutely insane in the crowd. <laughs> we'll tell you a great story. It was like, oh, I want to say three or four months ago, he was doing working a feud with uh, Andy Phoenix at the time, and it was the start, the start of their feud, and it looked like Ali was booked to win. He got the pin. Ultimately got reversed, but after he got the pin, he started celebrating. And of everyone sitting down watching OCW, just me and Jesse up celebrating. <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> it gets overturned. Everyone else is up celebrating, and me and him are sitting down, looking like <laughs> the um, yes. angry Mrs. Girl fan. Yeah. <laughs> the whole scene thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So good. Then he wins a title, and same thing with the only one celebrating. <laughs> well, what has it been like for you guys as fans to. Uh, to see Ali's kind of uh, the bit of the change because before it was he was coming out there in the I guess the the Iranian garb you know and and the sort of look but now he's totally done that swerve into the uh, American exceptionalism. Oh, it's fantastic! Oh, yeah. So uh, when he got first got uh, first time we saw him, he was working that hardcore match with Tommy Dreamer, and we genuinely had no idea who he was. Like Muhammad Ali Valles, you know, who, who the fuck is this? Then we, he came out, uh, cut a promo, we were like, okay, this guy's legit. And then he kept on uh, doing the OCW shows more and more. And as it happened more and more, we see him speak more and more. We became bigger fans. I guess it's like a Bray Wyatt kind of thing. Every time Wyatt comes out, cuts a promo, you're all ears, you're all fixated on him. Same with Ali. When he comes out, cuts a promo, he really gets the crowd going. The things he says and the way he says it just just gets you sucked in. And he's really Oh, good. yeah. yeah a lot of it's in that delivery, that delivery and the, the knowing when to when to pause. You know, he's all about that, that what is less is more sort of thing. And I think that that resonates so much when you see him doing his thing is that he knows when to pull it back and when to really turn it up and when to, you know, mouth off at the guy in the front row. Who just won't shut up, you know, and may and may be fat, and may have poor teeth, and he may just pick on that. But you know, in the end, it's it's uh, you know, you know, you're going to get quality with Ali. That's what I love about him. He's he's so good at what he does. You know. Oh, absolutely. And he's very versatile. He can he can work like you know like you said he works the um, when he first came in it was that you know that Iranian character. And then the evil Middle Eastern yeah, ev- foreigner. Yeah, and then next thing you know, he's you know the Jim Leahy of OCW. You know, <laughs> drinking and you know neck. For actually, we found out last episode that that um, bottle of whiskey he was necking was actually shoot as well, which shocked me a little bit. But um, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, like yeah, I was saying, it's, it's a Friday, a it's a Friday worker. night. It's a Friday night. Everybody's got to unwind. Do you know exactly. what I mean? It's, oh, 100%. Hey. And when he's got to look at our ugly faces, I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but, just to uh, see the, um, the evil foreign character to comedy wrestling to now the 
over the yep. top American patriot kind of thing is just fantastic. Love what he's doing. Even um, I think that character got introduced in Warzone, didn't it? Over here, kind of, yeah, because there was the the un Australians in. Let me get this right. I think in Platinum. Yeah, you're correct. Wrestling uh, with 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 Benny English and Enforcer, and then of course he's doing the thing with Mark Williamson over in in Warzone, and uh, it's just been a. I don't know. I just think he's he's got so much to offer the industry down here, and that's why I, you know, I always push, uh, especially recently with the episodes that there that there's been pushing the the audio that Ali's done with Mr. Juicy and people like that onto onto wrestlers and saying, hey, give this a listen, you know, because it's some some insight that is not beating around the bush and it's giving the, giving it to you straight. And uh, we're not, not bagging anyone out, you know. It's just, just saying things how they are, maybe how they need to be said for people to either take things more seriously or realise that, hey, the industry down here has more potential than we maybe sometimes give ourselves credit for. Um, very interesting, you know. So uh, I always push that. And, uh, it, yeah, I'm just loving the... Loving what we're able to do with Wrestling Radio Australia, with uh, with Ali, with Josh Shooter, with Drawing Heat, it's uh, it's all guns blazing at the moment. So uh, doing it for love. Ah oh, yeah, oh yeah. Hey, that's uh, right. So first question, I guess. So now we're talking about Vias. You're talking about uh, wrestling in other states. Um, how can I wear this? What what would be your official position within Riot City? Are you more than just a commentator there? Or are you doing a bit of booking and that kind of deal? Uh, no. Just commentating? No, no. I'm just commentating, ring announcing. Um, that's, that side of things I think is, is better left to people who I think have had the experience in, in creative here and there and then able to kind of pull their minds together and in RC dub and, uh, and create some, and create some really good, not just storylines, but just putting good matches together that people, people will enjoy. You okay. know what I mean? Uh, so that's, that's kind of, yeah, I, I stay out of, out of that. Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't mind at some point, you know, um, doing something like that or just having a bit of a, bit of a creative input, but I don't know. I, I look at things, <laughs> It's interesting because I look at things from a different perspective to a lot of people and that change has only really happened in the last couple of years but I've I kind of take on the mindset of somebody a little older in the wrestling industry not to say that I'm this wise wrestling genius I'm not it's nothing like that but the way I think is just a bit more old school in terms of like when people go out there and kill themselves, I'm just like, Oh my God, like, why are you doing that? Like, like I'm, they're doing, they're killing themselves fantastically because a lot of the time they're not <laughs> actually getting seriously hurt or they're, they're just good at what they do. You know, it's, it's nothing like that. It's just, I know the battering that wrestlers took back in uh, or back in the day and that was when they had a – they did things a little more – how do I put it? They saved the big bumps, if you know what I mean. They, they yeah, knew they had it, the, the bump card 
and uh, they didn't want to put any more notches on that card. You know what I mean? So I'm that kind of kind of kind of person where I'd go like, all right, calm down. But then of course people have an expectation of what they want to see, and these days it's we want to see high spots, we want to see the odd hardcore match, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and that stuff's great to call. It's it's fantastic. I'm not knocking. <clears throat> not knocking those styles um, because when done right, every when anything is done right, it's fucking awesome, you know. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my my mindset would gel with the uh, <laughs> with the booking committee, but uh, but I'd love to have the the odd input, you know. Yeah, one day that'd be that'd be cool. You and I are pretty much the same when it comes to the old school kind of mentality. Like even the last couple of days, I've just pulled out a couple old wrestling DVDs that have just been sitting there collecting dust. And I pulled out um, the Mid-South, um, Legends of Mid-South um, DVD. And some of the yep. matches were just perfectly booked. You know, they're not... There was, um, you know, no high spots or anything like that. You'd get, you know, for example, um, mid-match, somebody would, um, you know, you'd be on the... How do I put it? So you'd have Ric Flair and, um, I don't know... Um, Who's who was that wrestler I told you about the other day? Magnum TA? Not Magnum TA. Um TA, let's just say, for example, them two. So you've got Ric Flair working his arm, constantly going to his to his arm. He's selling the injury and stuff, and um, you know, you get you get that little bit of glimmer of hope that he's gonna make a comeback and the next thing you know, he's back on his arm, you know. And the matches are going for like an hour and a half, something like that. Um, that's that's who it was. It was Terry Taylor, Terry Taylor and Ric Flair at um, at um, the Superdome and um, down, you know, Superdome. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, so, did somebody say Terry Taylor? Cockadoodaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking uh, of Survivor Series, is coming uh, up. Jesus. Oh no, that's Gobbledygooker, you dickhead. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot <laughs> of Bruce Pritchard's <laughs> wrestling uh, something to wrestle podcast, and it's he's. They're always bringing up the red rooster, and it was just fresh on my mind. <laughs> I had to do it. But yeah, I don't like, know why I'm putting over MLW. Let's put over WrestleMania. But yeah, anyway, go on. Go <laughs> that on. whole that whole aspect of like the old school booking, you know, put putting spots in certain places that make sense and yep. not, you know, flying all over the place and um, you know just smart booking. I love that old school mentality. Yeah. Of when when we had Mark uh, Silver on the podcast, he. Uh, explained it perfectly like mm. the whole card should lead up to the main event because obviously any show you go to is built around the main event if you go all guns blazing every match until the main event the crowd's going to be tied and it's happened to us before as well at certain shows like there was a there's a point where you know you got a match in the middle of um, the second segment the second part of the show after intermission and, you know, they're just flying all over the place and they're putting on it. Obviously, they're putting on a good match, but by the time you get to the main event, there's just no crowd reaction because you're just so exhausted, you know? Um, I think that's I think that's where, and this is where RCW is really good at it, is the storytelling and building that foundation of that story to a point where now that you've got that main event coming up, people are invested that's a very important – that means obviously you don't go – you don't have like a four-hour show, you know what I mean, because that's going to drain people. So you've got to be sensible. But that's a very important thing as well, you know. It's like recently I can 
I can point to uh, the the, uh, the show that we had recently with like yeah there was there was the tag team titles and there was all these sort of things actually the last couple of shows we've had say the the key to the city ladder match perfect perfect example we had the key to the city ladder match and that was before intermission and then in the main event we had i think what was it now actually no that may have been i'm actually getting mixed up here <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting mixed up. But the, the point the point is is that if you've got an established main event story and your show's not running too long, you can you should still be able to keep people and obviously the performance in that main event from the second people come out, there has to be that aura of fuck, this is a big deal, you know? Um so there's ways to do it. There's definitely ways to do it and have a packed card with tag team matches and and you know, double team high flying spots, and and uh, maybe a, a mid card feud, but you know, it, it requires this story re- requires a street fight before intermission. There's ways of doing it, and that's where the RC, I think, the RC Dub booking team is very, very good at knowing, and the booking teams throughout the years knowing how to structure these cards so that the crowd enjoys it. The crowd is still engaged, you know what I mean? And that's uh, – I think it's kudos to them. You know, they do a bloody good job of, of structuring the show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're out here in Victoria, Melbourne, and we we know it's, we're keeping up to date with Riot City. Yeah. Never seen actual show, but we know what's going on. And I think um, that's also a fantastic way to get people to come to the shows because at the, at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want people to come to your shows. And when you're putting on – you know, great cards like that, and you've got someone new coming along, they can sit there, watch it, go home and say to their friends, holy shit, I just saw a local wrestling show here in Australia. You should come with me next time. Yep. yep. That's what you want. 100%. And it's, yeah, like you said, good. it's good card placement as well. If you've got good, good card placement, people are going to enjoy it. If you've got, you know, just constant um, car crash, or well, I'm not going to say car crash wrestling, but... um. Yeah, just things going all over the place, you know, everything but the kitchen sick flying, then, you know, people aren't going to enjoy it as much. But if you get in people invested in the stories, like you said, like, for example, for Riot City, um, I got invested in the story with um, Grimm coming back. That, enti- yep. that entire thing. I didn't see one show at all, but I got invested in the story and I kept up to date what was going yeah. on. Even That's um, right, because the same night, the same night that Brad unlocked his key to the city was the night that Chris Basso moments earlier won to have his brother reinstated. That's right. Yep. Oh, it's fantastic! And then um, everyone's going nuts because you know you get your awesome moment where Grim comes back, and then the next thing you know, Brad Smythe comes out, <laughs> and the crowd just goes to a whole new level. Exactly. I mean, Even, you love you love a happy moment in wrestling, but when you can give them a double happy, that's like how good is that? You know, that's just – people would have left that night so happy. You know, if people that were, were fans of Brad and fans of the Bassos, they would have oh. been so happy that night. Imagine being a fan and just walking out of there. Well, I had chills watching the video on the train. Cause... I had chills calling it. Yeah. I had a little tear rolling <laughs> yeah. down because I'm you like, right Brad's there. finally been – said, here you go, Brad. He only had the belt for a month. But still, you know, it just – he won it, you know, and he got to brag about it. And that's – you know, still a field that's all that matters. It was yeah. done well. You could almost compare it to when Dolph cashed in on Del Rio, was it? 
I think it was yes, yeah. yes very you know, similar. The night before at Mania, uh, everyone vibe. wanted Dolph yep. to cash in, and then it didn't happen until the next night. And the crowd pop was just insane. I don't once think, Dolph came out. I don't think anyone really expected Brad Smythe to really cash in. No, either. I think they, that's they, it. You Same caught him off guard as well. That's a, that's another thing I loved about it. Everyone's so focused on that moment, and the next thing you know, people are like, "What? What? What's going on?" And you see Brad Smythe run down. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's also that that subliminal thing. Sorry, of like, like we've had the big payoff for the night. You know what I mean? Like, like people, that's that thing in the wrestling mind of, okay, that's the big happy go-home moment. And, Whoa, what the fuck is this? Hang on. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. Oh, wow. That's, um, yeah. Throwing an absolute curveball. I'm just trying to think of another example. Um, when Rollins came back, yes. defeats Reigns clean, everyone's like, oh, yay, Roman lost because we all hate Roman for no apparent reason. <laughs> and then next thing you know, Ambrose comes out, cashes in. Same thing, another big double moment. Yeah. You're like, yay, Roman loses. And, oh, holy shit, Dean Ambrose is going to be champion. Yeah. No, that's, that's another perfect example of one of those yeah, moments. Because they were, you know, they were teasing everyone leading up to that. You know, Dean came close so many times to oh. getting it. But yeah. So moving back on to, let's, let's talk a bit about Josh Armour. So growing up, was wrestling a big thing within your household? Not in the household until I discovered it. Okay. Really, that was that was it. Uh, being an only child, I didn't have an, a brother that was into it or anything like that. It was, mm. uh, it was seeing a little bit on the telly down at the pub when they go for a countery on a Friday night and you'd sit there and have your fish and chips and oh, there's Mr. this guy, Mister Perfect, you know. Oh, I have bathers that are exactly the same colour as his <laughs> blue and yellow trunks. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sort of thing. So there was like a sort of took notice of it, and then uh, the uh, the newspaper, the news agency ran the corner from our place. Uh, Dad knew the guy that ran it and they had like the magazines there with the covers taken off, you know, that they, they couldn't sell. And so got a, a heap of those and he said, hey, you can have them, bugger it. Um, wasn't crediting them like a, like a newspaper sort of thing. Here mm. you go. And sure enough, there's a couple of WWF magazines in there and was looking at them and like, what is this sort of thing? And then go to the video store around the corner next to the news agency. <laughs> They've got all these WWF VHS and oh, yeah. a few WCW. And then they had a couple of ECW tapes. And when I saw that, my mind was just like blown. Like what? It, it felt at my age, it actually felt, I would have been like 10, something like that. It actually felt wrong that I was watching this. Some of it I couldn't. Mm. So I've never been one to be into like gore and stuff like that. So when people are bleeding and they've got barbed wire stuck in them, I was just like, I was uncomfortable watching it. I just didn't didn't take to it. But but I was I couldn't not watch it. <laughs> so I think where I'd turn away from the screen, but I didn't actually turn it off. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, and so I was a Hulkamaniac and a, a Bret Hart fan and all that sort of stuff. And that's when it. That's when it got me. And then in 93 or 94, I saw, I think it was 93 and 94, there was the Wrestle Riot. Funny that, uh, a tour that came to Australia. So it was like a, the first one had Jim Neidhart, Jake the Snake Roberts. Wow. Uh, Don Morocco. Jeez. Fuck, who else? Junkyard Dog, who I have a, a Polaroid uh, photo with him and Anvil. Wow. Um and the the chick that took the photo, the Polaroid, was 
very attractive, but she was standing about, <laughs> she was standing like way too far back. And of course this is an old school Polaroid camera. So the, the flash was all right, but you couldn't really see JYD in the photo. It's like, <laughs> you can see his eyes, but that's about it. <laughs> that's a bit of a shame. <laughs> oh, <laughs> had to, that's great. Had to do some Pixar magic with that one when I, uh, when I uploaded the, uh, the photo of that, but, uh, so that was amazing as a kid, you know, in like, I think I was in art class that day in primary school in like year three or something. And in art class, I'm making my heart attack sign to take to the, the Jim Neidhart match that night. So I was wow. so excited. And uh, actually, <laughs> my memory of this was a bit cloudy, but dad always reminds me of it. And it was when... We, we got to the venue and there were there wasn't anybody waiting out the front yet. It wasn't like now at the Theberton Theatre where you you like there's a band on and these kids were waiting there at midday so that they can be at the front of the, the pit, you know, it was it was nothing like that. <laughs> but uh yeah. he was like, Let's let's go around the back. Let's see the wrestlers as, as if they come in. You notice the bus wasn't there or something. So it's like, Well fuck, let's let's go around the back and we'll See if we can see him. Come on. So went around there and we're there for about five minutes and then this bus pulls up and <laughs> dad reminds me of it that they all turned on the kayfabe because they're like, oh, here's this kid. You know what I mean? So they all turned on the kayfabe and all the heels are pushing the baby faces as they're getting off the bus and all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty awesome. And then the second Russell Riot tour that had – uh, let me see. That had Boss Man versus Nails. That had, and it was. I'm pretty sure it was a nightstick match. Mm. I think it was a nightstick match. Uh, <laughs> they had. I may be wrong. There was Demolition Smash versus Hawk. Wow. That was that was really really cool to see because um, I love Demolition and I loved. Legion of Doom, you know, with all the VHS I'd be watching. Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. Um, that was that was awesome. And there was all these other wrestlers. I had no idea who they were. And I don't really remember those matches. But it turned out that it was like Dean Malenko and his brother, Jushin Liger, Chris Benoit. Wow. So I'd actually seen Chris Benoit wrestle. I didn't even know who he was, you know. He was just like, these are the guys, these are the other wrestlers that I've never heard of, that I don't know who they are, where they're from. But I'm waiting for Boss Man, you know. So, yeah, very interesting. I hope there's a VHS somewhere, some in some basement bedroom somewhere of these shows because oh. I've never seen video of them. Don't worry, so I'm trying to dig I'd, them up. <laughs> I'd love to. I've been trying to dig up all sorts of stuff on eBay and, you know, like – Anywhere I can try and find stuff like that, I've been trying. Even the Hulk Hogan tour from 2009, I'm still trying to get my hands on those tapes because mm -hmm. all those shows were taped and they never got released. That's so they were, were they on like a like a big screen like showing in the building that night? Like yeah. did they have a couple of pro shot cameras there? or They had a full um, setup of everything. They had a commentator that was sitting. Well, the ring wow. announcer was commentating. You had... Your big cameras, you had pretty much everything. The big, big, massive setup, um, Titan Tron, and 
pyro, all that stuff. They ha- they they even announced during the show. They said that we're recording this to be released on DVD and hopefully wow. get a TV deal out of it, which they didn't end up doing because the whole production company went bust. So I don't know what happened to those tapes, but yeah, like was all that the- uh, was that McManus. Andrew McManus that no, ran that tour. Um, it wasn't the McManus tours. It was. Oh no, he did. He did uh, World Wrestling All Stars. Yeah, right, back in the day. Oh, I went to that show in Adelaide too. Yes, which oh, yeah. which Boys. it's funny that Rodman, Rodman got under. Rodman got injured like on the East Coast, and he was meant to be wrestling here because I was so fucking pumped. I'm a Chicago Bulls nut. I'm 16, 17, 17 years old, whatever it was. Huge Chicago Bulls fan. Huge wrestling fan. Dennis Rodwin's coming to Adelaide to wrestle. Holy fuck, right? So that was <laughs> that was like you think about it, and people would be laughing. Yeah, oh, Dennis Rodman wrestling, and you were psyched for it. Yes, because that that was a big deal back then. Who people wouldn't don't be? understand? Like that was a big deal. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't? And then be? he got injured, and I found out it was in the paper, and I'm and it was on Sports Tonight, and I'm like, oh. Back when Sports Tonight was like a thing, right? Mm. With Bill Woods, I'm like, oh. So. That would have been shocking. There was like oh, there was man. quite a few tours that came out like in the early like early nineties to late two thousands. I reckon it was um see like AWF was bringing out stuff, and I've actually got DVDs with some footage of like Psychosis and um and Two Cult Scorpio, and then you'd have um, Marty Janetti with against like Chris Candido and Sonny, and you know all those big tours that they had. Then you had like um. What was the other one? International Assault as well, where you had like um, El Generico and stuff coming out. Um, yeah, yeah, there was. There's also actually, I'll give them a plug because they're a bloody good mob. Um, and at, at, on the day of actually recording this, us here right now, um, they're gearing up for their big show of the year, Reawakening EPW Perth. Um, they've got a service on their Vimeo page. It's like on the vault, and or from the vault. So, yeah. And it's all these events from, I think, 2010 or 2011 and prior. And there's one from 07 or 08 where they had uh, – it was a relationship they had with the NWA at the time. And there was, like, Brian Danielson and Chris Hero and all, all of these folks um, over for this championship tournament. And uh, Cesaro as well. Wow. and. There's some bloody cool. It's like ten. It's like nine or ten bucks a month on the EPW uh, Vimeo page, and you can subscribe and you just you get access to all these shows uh, for a month, and it's it's worth it just for that show alone. Mm. Uh, it's over two nights. It's there's some brilliant stuff on there, but yeah, they came over um, around that time. Generico, actually, funny story. I was. Back when I was like training, before I was kind of a commentator announcer, and I was just you know a wannabe wrestler, training as you do. Yeah. And there was a show organised with AWF, uh, which was the International Assault. That was the one. Yes. Uh, with oh gee, there was there was there was Generico, there was someone else. But this is like the second international assault. There was there was a couple of others prior. And then mm. this one was a bit more low key and the venue at Norwood was very small. And there was there was bugger all advertising. Nobody turned up. But uh, there was a training seminar earlier in that day. When I say nobody turned up it was like thirty people. It was just poorly organized, Jeez. poorly promoted, all of that. But uh, earlier in that day Generico was 
was doing a, a training seminar and um so I actually took a took a suplex from El Generico. So does that mean that I can actually say that I've been trained by El Generico? Can I put that on my resume or would that just be a, a really tarred thing to do? Guess what, Josh? It's made the list. <laughs> <laughs> I've made the list on that claim right there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so you know, that was during my, my, my ill-fated, as I always like to put it, uh, wrestling training but uh you know it gave me that that foot in the door you know to do what i'm actually good at which is which is commentating and and ringing out soon so uh but yeah that that was that was a tour uh, the international assault i think you're talking about the one with masato tanaka kid cash uh billy Kidman. yes 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 yep yep i saw the adelaide show um took the missus i'd been with her for about a year you gotta understand and she's like it's kind of a swerve on my part, but actually completely accidental because I just got back into wrestling just after I met her, like watching it. Yes. So, <laughs> so it's kind of that thing like, was, was this really there all along and just now is comfortable enough to bring it out? But no, it actually just, it happened again. <laughs> you have that, you have that four or five year spell and then bang, you, you back into it. And, uh, and we went, we'd gone to EPW Adelaide shows uh, and then we went to this international assault show at the Thebi. And that was where Kit Cash was booked to wrestle TNT. Yes. And yeah. Kit Cash wouldn't work. He just took shit. And I'm not saying like he cut a heel promo as the, the loudmouth American. It, it came, it, well, I don't know if the idea was for it to come off like a shoot where this guy's not going to work with. If, if so, that's a fucking dumb idea because you've yeah. you got a, like a, partly a casual audience there as well, right? I thought that, that would have been silly. So I don't know what the deal was, how it was organized, but he's out there talking shit and this went on and on and on and TNT's out there and it, like it was just – it was just standing there like – just, 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 just standing there, letting him go on and on and on, and then he finally ripped into a kid in the front row. He went outside the ring, ripped into this kid in the front row, grabbed this kid's sign off him, and this kid's like five or six years old, right? Like a little yeah. kid, right? Grabs the sign out of his hand, almost fucking pulls the kid <laughs> into the rail. The father gets up. He's ready to belt kid cash, and I mean – I don't mean wrestling heat. I mean, like, you just fuck with my son. I'm going to fucking smash you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is completely different. And, uh, and then I can't, he was like, neither going to jump the rail, but he didn't or whatever happened. And then they had a terrible match. It went for like five minutes and kid cash. I can't remember if he won or if TNT pinned him and then he knows. So I can't remember what happened, but he ended up, getting to the stage and pulling his pants down and just, it was, it was, it was so, yeah. It was one of those things that made me go like, fuck, like that's, that's, that's bad, you know, but then like people like Jag and Masato Tanaka and, yeah. and Billy Kidman, even Heidenreich, they went out there and, and actually made it's up true. for it in the end. It was a, it was a good show, but, uh, and Robbie Hart, people like that, but fuck, yeah, that, that was Hart. a bad that was a bad match, bad segment, bad everything. Mm. <laughs> really bad. Love to get bad, the story but, on that uh, one. Yeah. That's for sure. I'd love to get the insider story on that one. With, um, hell, should probably even get Greg on this podcast because I have I, – he's one of the f- – um, 
one of the first wrestlers I ever met, um, TNT, like going back at the Supernovas. That that's how long ago it was. Because I didn't like I used to go to the um, local wrestling and stuff like that, but um, I didn't really get into it until I went to the Supernova and saw the AWF and all that sort of stuff. And okay. yeah, I, I wouldn't mind getting an insider's perspective on that because that just sounds horrible to see something like that and it definitely doesn't sound like it'd be something to be a part of the show it sounds very you know kind of real life kind of because I'm assuming he was probably involved in the organisation of this entire event or tour I guess you could say um, but yeah at least Billy Kidman and all them made up for because I did see those advertisements and I did want to go see Billy Kidman because I was a big Billy Kidman mark growing up as well he was really good, and he was like good, like because he was the baby face on that night, and he uh, he was really good. He went up like like climbed up the climbed up the uh, basically the the stands of the the Thebi and went all the way to the back of the of the fans and high fived every person there, and it was like it was really really good. So I don't know if that's because he he knew that there was a bad taste in the crowd's mouth from what they'd seen before. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's what it was or if that's just what he did as I'm the baby face out here. I wanna wanna, you know, do my thing. Um but yeah, he was really good that night. I feel like Billy Kidman's just an like overall good guy from what I've seen. <laughs> just overall, That's the impression I get, yeah. Like he just seems like a genuine down to earth kind of guy which you know is you do get the the occasional person that's an international that's like that, like especially Dreamer. He's probably one of the most down to earth internationals that I can probably think of on the top of my head. Same with Galloway as well. Meeting them a couple times, it's you know, like Dreamer. He didn't even have to do with the intro for our podcast, but he just did it because he it felt like it. You know, he just we asked him and he he did it for us. No no questions asked, just did it. Same with like taking photos and stuff. Doesn't charge a penny with that, you know. Whereas you know you get the other kind of internationals that are charging like twenty bucks a photo. <laughs> Especially, yeah. But um, yeah, those tours. All right, let's uh, rewind a bit. So you were saying before uh, you were doing a bit of wrestling training. Yeah, uh, took a suplex from Generico at the time. So that being said, next right city rumble. Could Josh Armour possibly be one of those participants? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen at all? My, first of all, I wouldn't want to put anybody else in the ring uh, in grave danger with me being in there. Not because I'm a big bad son of a bitch, but because I'd have no clue what I'm doing in there. And also, I mean, just from training and my body doing things that, that maybe my body wasn't meant to do and I didn't grow up being a daredevil. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I've got a bit of pride in my, in my back that are uh, fragmented or chipped or whatever, um, mm. fractured, best way to put it, slightly fractured. And uh, yeah. also my knees are shot. So I, I put the back down to the wrestling training, just being something I wasn't meant to do, made to do. It's just me. Um, that's not saying anyone else you're going to be a cripple if you do it because there's clearly people out there that are that are doing it every every night every week and they're they're fine uh, they're sore very sore but they're they're getting through life um, but yeah no nah, that won't that won't happen <laughs> no. 
Well, <laughs> no there's two way. reckon spots of DNT podcasters down there. <laughs> <wrestling. laughs> oh, my, my knees are so shot that just like when we do like the uh, the outside of the ring spots at the academy, when we're doing the live shows there, or even at the main shows and it's raffle time and we're out on the, the black mats, the pretty black mats outside the uh, the ring. I mean, my I just feel my knees are like feel weird just walking on them, you know, in dress shoes. So I don't know how I'd go um, in the ring. That'd be a bad idea. It'd, so. be, it'd be kind of like the the JBL spot that they did in the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago. <laughs> it, yeah. It'd be it'd be like Vince McMahon Royal Rumble two thousand five oh. spot. That's what it'd be more like. Um, I have legit torn my quad bailing oh. from the ring. That oh, has happened. Man. On a show when I was general manager and Grimm came after me. Um, <laughs> entirely yeah. my fault because I'm a clumsy motherfucker. <laughs> so, yes, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've done a Kevin Nash. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I always like to mention that whenever I'm on a podcast that I have done a Kevin Nash. I've done a Kevin um, Nash. <laughs> just, just to show that I do have a sense of humor about things. <laughs> yes. So That's great. Oh, my gosh. Alright, so going back uh, to some wrestling stuff. So, I guess when you figured out wrestling wasn't for you, how did you find yourself coming into the spot of doing commentary? Was that just as a kid watching it and going, "Oh, you know, Jr. just just remembering uh, spots Jr. called and trying to think WCW." Is that Chimmel? Yeah. No, I'm more no, of a. I was uh, whenever whenever I think of like the commentary from my childhood. I mean, Jr.'s the man, but the first thing that rings true with me is either Bobby and Gorilla or Vince McMahon. And I've been, Mm. I've been really lucky that I've had, I've had those Bobby Heenan's with, at the the desk with me over the years. And I've also had, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the people that can help tell the story, you know, uh, on top of my play by play or, or whatnot. So like, but when I, when I first landed the role, that was just, because we needed an announcer and I guess it was either Chris Basso or whoever, whoever else at the time, I'm pretty sure it was just Chris thought like, okay, we need somebody tomorrow night. So we did three nights in a row during the fringe in 2010 and it was strength cup tournament, which went over, over the three nights and, now it's structured a bit differently where we'll have qualifying matches at RCW live and then at the Academy and then we'll, we'll go from there. But three night event and the third night we had no commentator. And on the Saturday uh, we were setting up the ring and whatnot. And I'm um, actually, no, the ring was already set up probably from the Friday, but we're at the hall during the day, piss farting around. And Chris comes up and says, we need an announcer. Do you want to do it? I'm like, hell yes. I have a suit. So I'm there. So uh, Luke Santa Maria was, I think injured at the time. So he, was on commentary maybe the night before and I joined him and then that helped me ease into the role because I think our regular like ring announcer main sort of compare was not able to do it anymore. So that that was just like, right, that's going to be my thing now. I'm going to make this my own and uh, sit there before and thinking I need, I need a gimmick, I need something that's me and – are you ready to write? Just came to mind, and bang, off we, off we went. Off to the races we that's went. It. So that's been yeah. you said two thousand and ten, correct? Yeah, that's been six years. Wow, 
Yeah, six, six, six and a half years now. Six so. All right, so that being said, oh, Love it. I'm trying to think, how can I word this without coming across? Uh, do you have, uh, I guess, when you get to a show, actually, no, not when you get to a show, just when you come to commentate, do you have particular guys you feel you like to call matches for more than others, or is everyone kind of equal because everyone puts on such great stuff over at Riot City? I think it's, I think it's all equal because you have... You have those. Uh, I mean, you have some matches that you know are going to be easy. Like recently, Lightspeed Express, Robbie Eagles, Matt Diamond, they were down here for the tag team championship tournament. We finally have tag belts in RC Dub, and it's uh, yeah. it's it's bloody brilliant. Which the Rude Ones have won. Marvel and uh, Bulldog McKenzie, they oh, are the, the tag team champs. But uh, seeing LSX and knowing knowing what those guys can do, having seen Robbie Eagles before. And not having seen Matt Diamond in person, but knowing the kind of wrestler he, kind of knowing what he was was about, uh, I was like, this is going to be easy to call. So it's going to be just nonstop, action-packed, quick, um, you know, really exciting. And as the hype guy with especially uh, introducing shows from the get-go and the main event intros, things like that. I love being that hype guy. So those those are matches where I'm able to add that little bit of hype. Even though I might say, wow, a bit too much, it's it's because it's a natural reaction. Like That's how I'm I'm actually expressing myself. That and Sometimes I'll listen back and go, God, you say wow too much. But it's just in that <laughs> moment, I'm actually blown away by, by what I'm seeing. And it's so easy to get into that groove. Um, so there's, there's definitely, there's certain people that trigger that and go like, this would be easy, but then there's somewhere you really want to make sure that you're nailing the story that has to be told. And that's where you kind of have to concentrate a little bit more, I think, just so that you, you're getting things across in a way that they, they need to besides, you know, calling exciting moves and, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, there's, there's different ways of approaching it, but but every match has its spot on the card and it, it's placed in the show. And it's therefore, I try to do it. And sometimes I, sometimes I don't uh, execute in the way that I'd like to, but in the way that there's levels with the show as far as the matches go and things like that and the match placement, like we were talking about earlier, same with the commentary. You know, we've got to sort of be in that same groove of knowing when to when to turn it down and then when to turn it up so that when we do turn it up in that main event or that match before Inter that is of importance, um, people take note, you know what I mean? And what we're, what we're putting across has that levity still as opposed to, oh, they're just carrying on like they have for the rest of the show. And sometimes it's really hard because if you're getting into a match, you, you're getting excited. You're gonna you're gonna call it. That excitement is gonna come through. You know, if it's second match on the card, it's like or third match. It's like, okay, well, it's I can't help it. <laughs> you know, don't be so good. You know, <laughs> I can't help Absolutely. it. You, you're uh, I can't help but put you over right now. You know, <laughs> and, and and get into it. So, um, yeah, I think the if if you have a good show. It's overall, it's really easy to go like, oh, it's a great show. But if there's a little thing that, that drives me nuts, I'll think about it for ages and just go, oh, you know, like I, I got tongue tied at the show 
oh, it wasn't too long ago. And I was so tongue-tied that it felt like about 30 seconds and it was maybe three seconds, but it felt like forever. And I just stopped talking for about a minute I because I was just like, right, I <laughs> let, let the professionals over there next to me, let them do it for a bit and then I'll, <laughs> and then I'll come back to it. And later on I was just like, oh, that was a great show, but God, I, I was so mumbled during that match. I can't even remember now what the match was, yeah. you know, but uh, you have those things and that's going to happen. You know, and it's uh, Sean Fuster, he, he put it to best to me. who's a great, been a great addition to the team the last couple of years, just top dude. Um, very creative mind as well. Um, really good with things like that. And he said to me, he's like, well, it's, it's live what is it like? You're only live once or something. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, <laughs> I know the shows are recorded, but in that moment, it's like, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Just get over it. There's another show coming up. Nail it then. All right, cool. You know? You're always your worst critic too. That's yeah. the thing. Oh, That's yeah. That's a good way to put it, actually. Like, even f- me personally, there's times where I'll can't listen back to the podcast because I'm like, oh, there's a bit there where I talk too much. There's a bit there where I fuck when I say something a bit fucking stupid, or you know, um, you know, you get those occasional moments where you do that, but then you got to kind of remind yourself, hey, it's okay, you know, you, you're your biggest self critic at the end of the day, you know. I love the sound of my own voice. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's well, a total I always I always listen to a show, a Wrestle Radio Australia production, so I, I will. Obviously, be um, like Ali's show and Shooter's show, and even the audio that, that Todd contributes. I'll I'll edit that and level it and do what I got to do to make it sound as best as I can. And then I'll it'll be uploaded, and then I will actually listen to it again. So be like, okay, now I'm in the mindset of playing it through a browser or however people access it. And how does it sound? What's the vibe listening mm. to it as it's online? You know, I know I find that really helpful because because um, sometimes I think after a while, especially the intro of the show was like it felt like it was forever, like a minute and a half or something. It felt like, and yeah. then I was just like, no, I'm cutting this intro down, and it's a little bit shorter, and I might even make it a little bit shorter than it already is. But um, <laughs> but it's it's really helpful to kind of to to be your own worst critic that's only the only way you get better at things you know oh 100 um, that's one thing that like shooter was always banging about on or banging on about rather on axe cast is that you know if if you're honest with yourself about your performance you'll no doubt be able to get get better you know or at least produce what you want to at the end of the day you know um just with production audio wise Things like that, you know, levels, all that nerdy shit. <laughs> yeah, all the production value and stuff like that. Hundred percent. Like it, and it takes time to get to that point as well, where you find your kind of rhythm, where you kind of know what you're doing and stuff. Like, for example, with our podcast, I can guarantee you right now, you'll go listen back to the first one, and our first one is probably, I I wouldn't say it's our best one, but then you go to you know the present podcast that we've done, and it's a ten times better considering oh, yeah. what it used to be like. and um, I think it's fair to say, I think it, it, us, the views say it as well, our best, one of our best ones has been the best interviews. 100%. As yeah. controversial as they've been, they were a lot of fun to do. 
Oh, but it was just it was one of those shows where like I noticed where it just finally came together for you guys. And like you had a bloke there who's a who's a great. Uh, we, we've had him on Wrestle Radio Australia. He's a, he's a top guest. He can he can talk your ear off, but he's uh, he's so well spoken and you know he's a straight shooter. And so with that, um, I noticed as well as like with just yeah like the audio and with that episode, it's, I was like ah it's like yeah it has come together for you guys and that this is how the show. This is DNT podcast. You know what I mean? It yeah. just had that that vibe. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and and getting your head around that audio stuff is is tough. You know, and a lot of a lot of people within Aussie wrestling have been you know starting up shows and have hit me up. You know, and said, "Hey, what? You know, like." What? And I I love giving the them the advice because if there's another good po- good sounding podcast out there that people are putting their, their effort into and their time into to make it as good as it can be or as good as it can sound. And the content might be all over the joint. And that's the beauty of podcasts. We can put out whatever the heck we want. But, you know, you want it to, you want the audio to be of good quality, you know. And I'd rather there's 10 more great-sounding podcasts out there than 10 more shit-sounding podcasts out there, you know 100%. what I mean? Because because I listen to I listen to the old stuff that we did on Wrestle Hustle Radio and when when WRA first was taking off and it's like wow, a worse. Don't get me wrong, I'm not you know, those shows are still listenable. Mm. But man, I'm like I'm glad they sound the way they do now, you know, because um and you can you can get a podcast off the ground so cheap now, with oh. good gear, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we spent a, a bit of money on the mixing console interface and that kind of thing. But that's because we're doing you know stuff outside of recording this podcast. Yeah, that's fair enough. And like the hosting as well, I managed to find somewhere where you could do it for free because we're also a bit of tight asses when it comes to that. But <laughs> um, like you know, it, as you said, it's pretty affordable to. You know, get something like that off the ground if you, you want to do it. You can get a cheap USB microphone, plug it in if you've got GarageBand, Audacity, something like that, away you go. Hell, even like, you know, Talk is Jericho I mean, and stuff like that. They only use the little Zoom recorder and then they send it to their producers. You yeah. know, it's as simple yeah. as that. You don't have to have necessarily the biggest, you know, setup. But no. you. Even iPhones are surprisingly uh, good quality with They're the audio stuff. They're popular at the moment too because you can get those um, those little attachments now yes. at, at the Apple Store for that um, for the phone. Um, depending on depending on what attachment you you get, because uh, Shooter for the Axcast for a couple of them he was using the little uh, iRig microphone attachment ah, on the iPhone, yeah. and it sound it actually sound. I was like. <laughs> Can we find like? Can you get a different mic or something like? I was like, come on, let's let's get some different gear. So anyway, recently he's gotten a new iPhone, mm. and all he did was basically plonk the iPhone down on the desk to record his latest one with Owen Jones, Digital Beard, and it sounds like I, I thought that they had used because Owen, you know, being in you know, music and and whatnot as well. I thought. Oh, they must have used his setup, you know, at home or whatever, and a couple of couple of Sennheiser mics and whatnot. No, it was all just an iPhone on the desk, and the clarity and the it was brilliant. I I could not believe the quality of the audio, um, mm. let alone the the content. It was just I was surprised. So they've, I mean, as an Android user, 
<laughs> everyone goes, well, you're a podcaster. You probably should have an iPhone. Um, <laughs> and I've always been like, oh, well, you know, before it was the USB mic, which I'm using now, but that was my only, my only uh, gear that I had and Audacity on the, the laptop. Mm. And after hearing this show of shooters, I'm like, man, I should really get an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I made the transition a while ago. I used to be an Android user and then I just got sick of my phone screwing up. So I thought stuff that I'll spend a couple hundred bucks on an iPhone and see how it goes. And I've, I'm still using that phone today. And it's, I mean, cool. obviously one screen replacement uh, ago, even though I should have done that a long time ago. I only did it re- last week after like eight months broken. But, yep. Um, yeah, the... Um, the actual quality. I could of not the do that. I could. Sorry, I could not. I, I've luckily never cracked a screen on a uh, on a smartphone, but I could not do that. Like the whole thing of having it completely smashed. I don't know how you use it or see anything on that. It's beyond me. You get used to it after a while, but once the glass started to fall out, I'm like, shit, I probably should start. <laughs> you know, should probably start getting um, a new screen. But like, yeah, the and the funny thing is I didn't drop it on... I've dropped it so many times on the floor and the one time I dropped it, and you won't believe this, I dropped it on my knee and it shattered. It, wow. It just... It fell... Like, I'm not kidding you. It just fell out of my cover because the cover was magnetic and it landed on my knee because I caught it and I looked at it and I'm like, shit, I just shattered my phone even though I've dropped this on, like, concrete and tiles and, you know, all sorts of other places... The one time I drop it there, it smashes. I mean, it wasn't too expensive to do it, to get it replaced, but that's the probably... eight months. I know, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's just me being a tight ass. True that. (laughs) But, you know, um, that's probably the only flaw with the iPhone, but everything else works fantastic. That's the thing I love about it. Like, Mm. the recording's perfect. Like, hell, when I go to Bathurst um, next year for the 12-hour, I'm thinking of possibly you know, getting an attachment just so I could or even just use the phone to possibly get, you know, little yeah. interviews with drivers or something like that. That's the thing I love about the iPhone is you can do so, so much of it, you know, um, especially when it comes to podcasting. Oh, yeah. Even uh, a lot of the early early Wrestle Radio Australia shows were recorded on, on iPhones. It was either Todd and myself sitting there at his place and we'd just put it down, hit record and have a yak or even – the first, the first time we had Adam Pierce on Scrap Iron, uh, yeah. when he spoke, it was just with Todd that one, and I ended up kind of repackaging those two because when we changed feeds from, went from one hosting service to another, and they wouldn't redirect things, so there was no way of doing it. So we had to change hosting services, um, so we could keep subscribers, rather, and. Uh, and yeah, we we re put those those shows out online. But that first one with Pierce was done on an iPhone. Mm. And it sounds great. But now they sound even better. The microphones in them. They're bloody this is turning into an ad for Apple. I'm not know how I'm feeling about <laughs> yeah. this now, but uh, yeah. as we keep moving forward, technology just keeps getting better and better. I think we should be asking for uh for advertising fees for this. Well we'll, we'll use a <laughs> MacBook Pro, iPhone with Skype, I've got an iMac over there iPad I use as well. I think Apple needs to pay up. Yeah, man. A couple bucks, Apple, spit it out. Apple and Villies. But if we can get a tray of Villies Apple crumbles in place, I'll be happy with that. I'll be fine with that. 
when That'll we're in a, when we come to Adelaide next, I'm definitely going to suss that out. Absolutely, um, Villies. Let's do it. Mehmet, Mehmet went there the other day, and he uh, he recommends Villies. So there you go. The oh, Turkish the, delight. The Turkish delight. The Turkish delight. Oh god, that video of him and Juicy cracked me up. Oh, I'm not kidding oh. you. I was sitting on the train going to work. And I had my headphones in, and I saw the video. I'm like, "Oh, you got to be you're like." I'm, I've, I was aware of Turkish Delight, and I was aware of Mr. Juicy because of podcasts and seeing like videos on the internet. And then I saw that them two were together in the video. I'm like, "Oh shit, what's this?" And I watched it without a bat of the hell. Like the entire train was just quiet. I just erupted in laughter, and everyone was looking at me like, "What the fuck is this guy laughing at? Is he like?" Schizophrenic or something? What 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 the fuck's wrong with him? Because yeah. <laughs> it he's was so watch, simple. He's sitting there watching two big two big wogs just <laughs> in tight clothing. Go, dad, and that oh, got fuck. me. <laughs> that that's the part that got me. And then you see Juicy running off. I fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. Mehmet the Turkish delight uh, coming up or. Previously on Wrestle Radio Australia, whenever people are hearing this, but around the early twenty something of November, it'll be online. So Yeah, we'll be putting this up on next week, I think. Yeah, I think so. There you go. So there um, you go. Yeah, oh. You'll get to hear what Turkish Delight is all about on, on WRA. You get to find out what being fried is all about as well. Okay. Because <laughs> he's still fairly new to wrestling here, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he's already yeah. I think just, uh, I feel like, where have I heard this conversation before about character over work sort of thing? Oh, what? I feel like it was a Vaez podcast. I think it where was. Where that came up. Oh, with Juicy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like just that kind of character that gets you over, but you watch his matches and you're like, kid knows how to work, so mm. it's the best of both That's worlds. That's it. He's, he's learning quick, and the thing about Mehmet is that like he fucking loves this. Like he, he just, this is what he wants to do. And I think he'll go far. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just as a, a kid who's only been in it for a year or so, year or two, Jeez. but just, you know how much he loves it and you know how much he wants to, wants to get better and get booked everywhere and have all these experiences and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, it's really cool. It's very similar to, you know, people like, like Shooter. And people like uh, Tony Storm, who's killing it in Japan and yeah. and the UK, and Travis Banks from New Zealand, you know, who's mm. like just doing mad stuff in the UK at the moment, and um, you know, he'll be on a. You know, people will know about him in a couple of years. People who aren't hardcore wrestling fans, you know, they'll know about Travis Banks, yeah, um, because they're going out there and they're like, "This is what I'm doing. I'm going to be a wrestler." I'm going to make it. it my living. And the people that often say that are the people that end up doing it. It's, mm. it's, really, it's really an amazing time now where the talent that is out there can be recognised or be noticed by these different promoters around the world. You send someone a YouTube video and go, this is what I've done, this is where I've been, these are my trainers, blah, 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 blah. These are my references. And people then see some really quality work. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe we should book this guy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Give him a go. And, yeah, it's just it's a good time. Uh, we say it a lot on WRA, but it's a good time to be uh, wrestling fan in, in the industry down here and involved in it or promoting it or being a wrestler, being whoever. 
Um, because the fact that there's Australian wrestlers is getting more attention around the place. And oh, absolutely, I mean, look at NXT. Who you know who's representing Australia over there is just fantastic. I think Matt was the first one. Matt was the first first well not the first yep. Aussie to be signed, but he's the first one to go to NXT. Then you had um then you yeah, had the was, two he, girls follow him. Yeah, now you know Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, they're part of that main storyline with the women's division there. Team six one in the finals of the Dusty Rhodes tag team classic, you know, what whoa, what's happening there? And there's there's Atkins as well that's over there. Chris Atkins coming up. Um I'm sure there'll be more that get signed as well. Yeah, Damon Slater in the Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, exactly. There you go. Another one. I mean it's you know. Yeah, thanks to WWE, I think now maybe more eyes are open to, oh, there's wrestling in Australia. I think, like, going back maybe 10 years ago, like, it would have been unthinkable that anybody would get signed from Australia to, to like, from the independent scene. Like, I, I remember seeing bloody, like, I've spoken about this on previous podcasts, I've seen bloody um, Matt Silver working at a Pakenham Town Hall, which only held maybe 50 to 80 people to now yep. seeing him working at Buddy Barclays Centre at a takeover, you know? It's yep. he, and he, he was wrestling in Riot City for a couple of years. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like, you know, the uh, Victor Harbour during schoolies where you'd think like, oh, wow, Victor Harbour during schoolies, is that a draw? No, because if you're an 18-year-old and you're at schoolies, you want to drink and get laid. You do not want to go and watch this nerdy pro wrestling stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, like 100 people or 120 people in Victor Harbour, Matt Silver versus versus Chris Basso, you know. Um, Matt Silver is the BPW, Ballarat Pro Wrestling Champion at the time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and just – and then seeing and seeing those two tear it up. And you just knew that Matt wouldn't be here for long because it's not just the fact that he's a really good wrestler, but the look that he had and the, the physique that he was, he was always a big kid. You could tell from even seeing old photos of him, he was a big dude. But then once he turned that puppy fat into, you know, into muscle, it was like, holy shit. You know, this guy is Mm. a, a machine. Um, he's just the kind of guy that WWE loves, and then bang, you know, he's he's out there doing his thing yeah. now. So, um, as you could just you tell, you there. could just tell back then. Mm, there you go. There's another another perk he's got, and it's scary. Like you know, you think about it. He's from our neck of the woods as well. Like he's, yeah, he, he's just only. I mean, Nary Warren. I think he went to Berwick. He went to Berwick High, which is the next suburb. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's only like maybe five minutes down the road from here, which is where they ha- used to have Warzone as well. You know, it's didn't there didn't something pretty shifty happen at that school a while back? Um, I what, heard that there was some Merrick Secondary College. Yeah, there was a pedophile that uh, got caught no, out. Was that Barrick Secondary or Barrick Lodge? No, Barrick Secondary. Okay, because I know I've I had it was um, Barrick Lodge. I'd be fucked because that's a primary school. Because I have family that um, were actually there and they told me about this particular person two or three years before he actually got caught. Um, they, like, I've got a lot of friends that were in those year levels and they told me about this particular teacher. He was really creepy and shit and he did a lot of these weird things back then but nobody actually seemed to say anything. And now going, you know, what, 
a couple of years later, he gets caught out and they've got all this big controversy about it. It's unbelievable that this thing went on for so long as well. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, wow. I'll tell you, Josh, this area just... Used to be great. Now it's kind of <laughs> going going as shit. Down it, the road, a couple of doors down was terrorist raids. Like last year, we've got the Apex gang at the moment that's terrorising. You know, all the southeast suburbs. Yeah, the well, Apex gang. I guess you could say. Well, I'm surprised that they don't consider them as an outlaw gang because they don't have their particular structure, which I think is a bit bullshit. Because you know, I, I think know. any thug that any thugs that go into a house purposely trying to, you know hurt people or just steal shit or be a total absolute dead shit as a teenager, you know. So they got to be held accountable for it and not just get a slap on the wrist for it, you know. Um, Because it happened, I won't say exactly where, but it happened very close to me. And if it wasn't for, you know, a person in my household acting on it, they probably would have broken into one of the houses in my area, Um because, yeah, and it's scary. Like, 3 o'clock in the morning, you get particular, like 15 or 20 people, you know, trying to break into a house. It's pretty scary to think about that. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, but I don't think they're really doing enough about it. But, it, yeah. yeah. How did we get onto this Melbourne, topic? most livable city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> by, yeah. by, by going down that rabbit hole and asking for further their information i just brought the tone of this show way down didn't i no 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 dude it was right gonna go it was gonna go down. a bit down anyway because i was um going to transition into whole uh prince dying sort of thing oh yes because i was that, actually thinking about that i was thinking like we uh, i know they're gonna get onto music at some point i'm waiting for it <laughs> here it is because i you know this year has been yeah, really shitty in terms of, you know, deaths with uh, celebrity kind of thing. It has been fucked. Uh, Prince was unexpected. Uh, today, oh, who? Sharon Jones. Yes, yeah. oh my God, 60 years old, yep. dies with, from cancer. Yep, Robert Paste as well the other day. There you've yep. got... Um, Pasty. Pasty, fuck yeah. me. No, David Bowie I'm started s- the year. At the end of last year, for me, it was Lemmy. Oh, that's still oh, Lemmy, David Bowie, Prince. Oh, it's it's that was that was twenty. It was twenty fifteen, but that was twenty sixteen. Getting in early, I think. Yeah, that was just like, hey, here you go. Here's a fucking teaser. You know. Yeah, he's 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 yeah. what to expect for the rest of the year. It's exactly. pretty much. It's yep. scary, like you know, and it's sad as well because I was there at the um, Prince, David Bowie, and Lemmy um, tribute nights at Cherry for. Oh, um, wow. And they, like, you know, everyone went all out for that. And I reckon I was there till about 3, 4 in the morning. Uh, quite a few, you know, Jackson Cokes and beers later, um, you know, dancing on a stage, sweating like a pig, but um, <laughs> to classics. But, um, you know, like, 2016 has been a shit year for us Muso fans, that's for sure. It is. It's been a shit year for music fans, a shit year for politics fans. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. Wrestling is, well, it's been okay. There is so the brand what's, what's split. What's been the big wrestling death this year? Oh. There hasn't really been, has, has there even been one? Oh. Mr. Fuji. It's been a really slow, it's been a slow year for wrestling death. Yeah, Mr. Fuji mm. one it's I can bad. think of off the top of my head. I can't think of any. I'm Fuji, to... yeah. yeah. Um, Last year was bigger. Dusty, Roddy. Oh, God. Roddy was crazy. a big one for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, this year's slowed down a bit. Like for wrestling deaths, which is a big surprise. Yeah, I know. Um, 
But yeah, getting back on topic. That being said, like, come so, on, so a couple of people fall off the twigs, so we got something to talk about here. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we need fodder. We're podcasters here. <laughs> Help us out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh god. Yes, yeah, so I guess going back to friends because very obvious by your Facebook just how much that affected you. Yeah. You know, I, um, I spoke to you a couple of times about it. You sent me uh, some live print stuff with the whole, you know, uh, was it proper recording of everything, live recordings done through the sound desk and just amazing to listen to. Like one thing to hear him on record, but hear, hear what he does live is something completely different. Yeah, it's such um, a that's like Bowie and Prince were more than just losses to the music world. That was the art world in general. Yeah, you know? it because what they did transcended music. Um, with Prince, I mean, I got into him when I was about fifteen, uh, fourteen, fifteen, and I got the hits B sides uh, triple set and. It's just you're hearing like, especially when like you're a teeny bopper like I was. <laughs> so you, you seriously, so like you, but a bit of rock music, but for the most part, it was, you know, yeah, teen pop music. But mm. you, you're hearing even when you listen to like blue, a bit of blues, and you listen to different rock bands, you'd listen to some of this Prince stuff, especially the, the uh, the early '80s stuff, and it had this like this polish on it, but it was an unpolished polish. As in it was, there were these sounds that you'd hear that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. Or there was, you know, things like, okay, we'll record the snare and then reverse it and then sample that. Things that no no one else did. You didn't hear that in pop music, you know. Uh, when Doves Cry, like, he didn't like he didn't like hearing it with bass, so he took the bass line out. Jeez. And he's like, I'm releasing I'm releasing it without the bass. Um, Kiss is another song. There's no bass in that. Well, you know, it just think about does it, weird it? shit like that, you know, that, uh, that you didn't hear anywhere else. So that's why it got my attention. And it was subliminal things that you'd learn about later and go, oh, yeah, there's no bass in that. Why isn't there bass? Mm. Said, when Doves Cry, that's weird. Every other pop song you hear has a bass line. But exactly. it was that was that was his way. Yeah. Um, doing shit like that. And then you, you you learn more and you buy a few albums and then yeah, you hear the live stuff. Or you are passed along a VCD with some bootleg tour and you're like, Holy shit. Like this this is on another level. Because, see, growing up being a Michael Jackson fan, he, uh, the voice was amazing and the dancing and the choreography and the, the videos and everything, I was blown away. Black or white, I saw that and I was like, I love Michael Jackson. And that was it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, you, you got – that's the same with, with me. Yeah, yeah with, with, with Prince, he was he's doing all that and then he's playing guitar like a fucking god and then – He's slapping the bass and doing weird shit with a bass that you shouldn't be out. It should be illegal to do things with, with a bass <laughs> like that on stage. You, you can't do that. Um, you just, yeah, the whole, the sexuality of things as well, that, that got my attention, no doubt. But then you go deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. And you're like, wow, 
this is intense and then you want to get a hold of every soundboard bootleg live recording that's out there and you want to get a hold of all this stuff, all the outtakes, <laughs> all the vault stuff that has leaked out throughout the years um, because Prince would like play, he'd drive around and he'd have a, you know, a friend in the car or a reporter or one of the engineers or one of the cleaners or something that would be in the car and he'd be listening, like, hey, listen to this, you know, and he'd listen, drive it around listening to it just to see how it sounds, you know, and getting the vibe of it. And then he'd, like, leave these tapes in his car and, you know, whoever else was parking the car or whatever grabs his tape and goes, what's this? It's got something written on it. Bang, you know, and that's how these things would get out, just weird things like that. Mm. Um to add to the mythology of of Prince and what he was all about. And having seen him live, you know, oh, geez, how many shows is it? It was only three tours, but there was – I took in plenty of shows. Uh, there was 2003 with the NPG Music Club, which was awesome because you, you got to sit in on the sound checks as oh, him and the awesome. band are sound checking. Um, and then go to the after shows and he plays at a club for another hour after playing three hours at Rod Laver. Um, yeah. That was awesome. You know, being at Soundcheck on, it was the second show in Melbourne that day. It was like a Wednesday and hot as fuck. It's October and we finally get inside and it's up there doing their thing. And I yelled out the name of a song and three seconds later, he starts just strumming the intro to it. I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> and they played it for like 10 minutes. Nice. Was, wow. You know, just shit like that was, um, was incredible to, to experience. And then uh, was it 2012, got to take my wife Susie to go and see Prince live finally. So she got to see what I was on and on about for years. <laughs> um, yeah. That was really cool. And then the piano and microphone tour this year. Um, yes. Which I saw him, I saw the two shows he did in the one night at the Opera House. Um, that was awesome. And then six weeks later, he's dead. Yeah. Unbelievable. Weird. Out of nowhere. I wonder, like, I, I still do regret not buying tickets to that show because I was considering it. And, you know, you know how you kind of toss and turn, oh, I'm not sure, I've, oh, maybe you'll come back next time. And then after that death, I'm just like, no, nah, I, I have to go see le the last legends that are still alive, like, you know, your Rolling Stones, your, your Aerosmiths and, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen, all that stuff. I need to go see these people before they cark it, you know? It's Paul McCartney's another one. Paul McCartney, you know, like, yeah. it. it's sad, but it's also like you, you kind of wonder what happened and why, you know, why it happened the way it did yep. and what the lead up to that was, yeah. you know. Got to go back because Josh used a, used a word that perfectly describes Prince. That was mythology. Yeah. Right, the myth of Prince because not, not a lot of people knew, like everyone knew about Prince, but in terms of his personal stuff, not many people knew. No, not at all. You know. It wasn't until after his death that, you know, things came out and you heard about a lot of the charity work he did and then also people realised how many songs he wrote for other people. Oh, yeah. That's that, another big one uh, too. Um, Shadow yeah. Rider, whatever it's called. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, once you start digging into, you know, what he was about, who he was, what he did, um, you know, 
the, the, the little secrets that come out every so often, you know. It, it's mind-blowing. Like, same with Michael Jackson. You, you look through some of the stuff that he's done as well, like yeah. writing and, you know, the charity work and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just very unfortunate that, you know, when people think Michael Jackson, it's, ooh, child molester. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, a nose I wish joke. I wish that people would actually research that whole thing um, properly before they... Because there's a lot of shit that was re- reported in very few press outlets. Um, I think it was GQ or someone like that. Yeah. They did an article that really told everything how it actually was and how the people who were basically framing him had done this before. Yeah. Uh, before they... they'd. And, and it was it was the perfect it was it was just the perfect beat up, you know, um, at the time and, and everything. And imagine like you know you, you're a kid and you're a Michael Jackson fan. The shit that I copped, oh my! You have like it was worse than being a wrestling fan. And people, wrestling fans think that they cop it for for liking this nerdy wrestling shit. No, you have no idea until you were a kid. Growing up in the mid nineties as a as a huge Michael Jackson fan and not ashamed to admit it, he copped so much shit. It was ridiculous. Like it was crazy. I can see And no one else none of the other kids wanted to admit that they liked him apart from one or two because they knew that it was that thing when you're a kid of oh you know, I don't want to be picked on. But it was so full on. Oh my god. It was. Wow. Well, I went um, through the second part of it, the the two thousand and six trials. Um when I was in primary school and, um, you know, you'd get the occasional person that would be a Michael Jackson fan. But if you, if you told anyone, you'd get ridiculed constantly. Like it got to the point where even some people were saying, I love Michael Jackson's music, just not the person. And it's just like, you got to that point. Um, but like you said, there's so much incriminating stuff against the people that were accusing him of what he was doing. But it wasn't reported by mainstream media because that's just mainstream media for you. I mean, you saw it with the Donald Trump election. The video that I shared about, I think, a couple of days after he got elected, the amount of mainstream media that had already left the media circle. Oh, he's on trial for child abuse. No. Well, he's on trial for sexual assault. No. It's kind, of, it's kind of guilty until proven innocent. That's the way it kind of is these days with media and all that sort of stuff. They just crucify him before he's even been accused of anything. Exactly. Or well, before he's been even proven of anything. Um, and that, and it was hurtful growing up as a Michael Jackson fan because I knew for a fact, I, be, I wanted to believe that he didn't do any of this sort of stuff. Mm. And, you know, looking into it as well, you kind of got into that um, realm of things. But, yeah, it was... Like you said, it was tough growing up as a Michael Jackson fan, that's for sure, during that period. I mean, with, with Prince, people just thought, oh, you're a bit of a homo, you know? It's <laughs> like, okay, whatever, whatever you think, you know? Just like Paul but, Stanley, um, yeah. Sorry? Just like Paul Stanley as well. They, <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I imagine that, yeah, Kiss fans would have copped it in the in the 70s. For, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Paul Stanley's great. He's got a, I fucking love his voice. I think it's brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, Massive kiss. But yeah, with, with, with Prince, I mean, like, it was just that thing where, especially the last tour, it was weird because he's always toured with a band. And even if he's done shows where he has a little 
20 or 30 minute segment where he just busts out the acoustic guitar or, or plays a few songs on the piano. He's always had a band. And that's what made this so different, this final performance in, uh, in February. And then he, I think he did a show in Canada. And then I think he did, he did three or four in the States, just him and the piano. Um, but it was so different that something like this was being announced. And then when the the press came out for it, as it was announced and Prince was saying how it was a, it was a tribute to his father who, you know, it was his piano that he learned on. The first song he played, I think was Batman, you know, the TV theme. Yeah. And that was kind of his, it was like an ode to him, this, this uh, piano and mic themed tour. Yeah. And reading that, Susie, my missus, she just goes like, do you think he's like, do you think something's wrong? Like, do you think he's dying? Or Like, that's pretty much what she said. And I mm. thought, like, it, it's, it's, it's odd, but no, nah, like, I get what you're nah. saying, man. I get what you're saying. Cause I was about to actually mention that it almost feels like, you couldn't have written it in any other way of him going out any other way. Like it just, it felt like yeah. that was how he wanted to go out. Just him at piano playing to his fans, which it felt it like it obviously probably wasn't intentional to have it, him go out like that with that tour, but it almost felt like it was fate the way everything planned out. I mean, he had, I mean, he had a, a live album as soon as he got back to the States. Apparently, there was like a live album planned of this piano and mic thing. And I'm assuming because this, the, the thing that was interesting about it was that the set lists in Melbourne were quite varied. So you'd have the 7 p.m. show, then you'd have the, uh, the 9 p.m. show or 10, whatever it was, 9 p.m. Mm. And the set lists really varied between the first and the second show. And at the Opera House shows that night, they were very similar. There was maybe half the set in the second half was half, but it was it was a completely different show. Um, different crowd was let in. Well, some of us came back for more, but uh, yeah. cr- different crowd let in. And uh, it, 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 there was a lot of songs that were identical but he'd play him a different way or he'd medley from another song into it a, a different way or whatever it was and that's what made me think straight after that there's gonna be a live album release of the opera house because when he was here in 2012 route the, the show that Susie and I were at um again one of the shows we were at yeah. uh, he said how um you know my my hotel room's across from the opera house I hope to play there someday mm. and then sure enough that that happened eight weeks, seven weeks before he passes. Um, and maybe he wanted to document this. And so he was picking, cherry picking the best, the best stuff from each show to actually put in to one package live at the opera house Prince. Um, and then a couple of tracks were on title that were, were uploaded um, from the soundboard and, that was really cool to kind of to hear that, and then, yeah, like that was, that was it. I would it's not be just surprised. So fucking weird, and it was so unexpected. And I've, I've, I remember when I was sitting up that night, and I was sitting up late, and 
it was about two thirty in the morning, and I see something pop up. And we've got this little Prince fan community. There's about 30 or 40 of us from around Australia. And we all met We all met when we were, like, trying to get tickets and stuff and sort of networking through who we knew and all this back in 2012. And we just became, like, a really cool little group of friends. Like, it was just really, really awesome. And one of the guys, Dom, put something up there, said, Stan, you know, I, I don't want to be the one to, to put this here, but there's this, you know, and and – it was TMZ report, emergency services called to Paisley Park. And the first thing I thought was, first thing I thought was like, oh, shit. And I was like, it's probably just a cleaner or something. It, it's a, you know, yeah. it's TMZ. They're going to try and get the hits. You know what I mean? Yeah. First thing goes through your head. And then it became apparent that there's, there's more to it. There's more to it. And then I just like started listening to Prince music. Like I just, it, I just started listening to heaps of Prince. I was just sitting there up wide awake, three in the morning, just like listening to Prince. Because so I'm just like, what's going on? I need that. You need that, that comfort, about it, yeah. You know. And then it, it, it was about half an hour later that found out that, nah, this is it, this is happening. And I was sitting there and I was listening to the beautiful ones from Purple Rain. Mm. And I'm listening to it on headphones and I've just fucking turned it up. And it gets to that scream. It gets to that fucking, down on my knees, I want you. And it gets to that big fucking scream and I just lost it. I just, I fucking lost it. Woke Susie up. And she didn't care because she was like, what the fuck's going on? I was like, he's dead. And it was just, it was full on. It was really mm. full on because I think people, it's a museo that's died, celebrity, get over it. There's that angle to take. But then there's, when you have a connection to the music and it's been a part, I mean, I wear, I had a bloody Prince symbol made for my 18th birthday. I wear it every day. Mm. Gold symbol, you know, like it's, it's a part of you, you know, and Oh, 100%. It, it was fucking rough. Yeah. Yeah. I went through the same thing with the Michael Jackson death as well. You know, grade six, I think it was yeah, 08 when he passed away. Grade six, wake up in the morning, mum wakes me up um, and then says, come look at the news, something's on. And I'm thinking, well... Susie did the same thing yeah. with me. She woke me up and said, Josh... You know, Michael Jackson's dead. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. Again, you're like, TMZ, whatever, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. She, exactly. Yeah, I was just like, whatever. And then I get up and I look and there's just breaking news, Michael Jackson dead at 50. And I'm thinking, I kind of like at, my, at that age, I didn't know how to react. I was kind of just, you know, just gobsmacked yeah. like I didn't know what to say didn't know I just sat there watching I just didn't know what to do I, I, later on like I ended up taking a day off school because I was devastated growing up especially like you know the Michael Jackson was the number one you know thing that I just it was that or nothing you know when I was yeah, growing up me, with, with, with me it was before Prince it was MJ like that, that was my first my first concert was the history tour all of that stuff it was mm. yeah First album was dangerous. Played it 
to death. That and Peter Andre, because I was eight years old. You yeah. Know. <laughs> Give me some kind of sound, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I was that. I was that kid too. You know, and it was that was I was glad I had the day off work that day because I was like, I fucking I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I was just just glued to the sofa, just crying, like just felt yeah. like shit. Yeah, hundred percent. And then you know, just like my first memory was like at three years old, like my mum's old because she she grew up in that whole you know eighties you know MTV kind of era. And she yep. you, she used to stay up till like you know two in the morning rec- and record the half an hour of MTV that was on or you know well, like a countdown she'd watch and stuff like that just like just growing up as a teenager and she had you know I, I remember I remember going to my grandparents to my grandma's house and there's just a massive fucking box of just vinyl and I, I'm looking through it and the first vinyl I pull up is um, Bad by Michael Jackson. Nice. And I popped it in, and I'm just like I was glued to it. And every time I came over, it was that and Thriller that I'd always listen to. And then I'd occasionally, like, after a couple years older, later, I'd get older and stuff. I ended up finding Pyromania in that box by Def Leppard, so I got hooked on that too. You know, like it's memories like that you just you kind of cherish. And then when you know, as you get older and stuff, you know they these people get older and then, you know, they eventually pass. It's just, yeah. you don't know what to, you, you just, you got, you're lost for words for it. Like even now I'm kind of lost for words thinking about it. I'll, I'll tell you what it is because as great as, you know, we're all big wrestling fans and we all get into the story kind of thing. But I think the difference between wrestling and other forms of art is, well, sorry, with music, these are stories within your life. You know, there's, I don't know, let's say you're 15, 16, you're first getting, you know, experiencing some form of depression and there's a particular album you listen to, you always remember that. Or oh, it's like the you first... Know, your the first concert you go to, you remember this or you yeah. remember the first time you heard something. First time you get laid, you, you know? remember the song that was in the background, you know? <laughs> That's another one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, <And> <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody gets it. Because yeah, that's... As a musician, that's the ultimate goal, just that connection with the crowd. And I can say, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go overseas and play music. And to have the people play, not play, have the crowd sing the songs back at you is just unreal. Mm. You, can't, you can't describe it. You know, and that's something every musician looks for, just that connection with the crowd and, you know, I'm just here to make you guys happy. Yeah. That's something, that, that's something that was really cool about um, being at, Prince shows was that the band was like, you know, if you're talking like an NBA team, the the, ba- the, the crowd was the sixth man, you know, that, that added that, that extra thing to the show. And, you know, half the time he'd just not sing the chorus and he'd just let the crowd, but he'd have those little call and response moments as well that, uh, that would, it would bring everything together as one. You know, that was a really cool, a cool thing with his shows. Exactly. Doesn't matter who the fuck you are, just come here and have fun. You know what I mean? And if you're not here to dance and have fun, get out of here, you know? Because um, you can go to a show like that, the person to your left, you don't know, the person to the right, you don't know, the person in front of you, the person behind you, you don't know. But there's that moment where, like, everyone's connecting because everyone loves who's on that stage performing the music. 
And like, yep. there's that yeah. common connection. And besides, you know, race, gender, anything, like all that's out the window. You're just a fan, exactly. and that's all that matters. You know, same with going to like the Kiss concerts. You can mingle with. I, every time I've been to a Kiss concert, I've mingled with at least twelve people just talking about yeah. Kiss, and you know. Another great example when we saw Anvil, we were lucky enough to go backstage afterwards, and we've walked in, and they've kind of gone, "Oh, young people listen to us." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think me and you were the two youngest guys there. We actually. were, yeah, eighteen and um and twenty two. Was it? No, no was you were tw- twenty at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like they were, they were genuinely shocked that you know an eighteen and a twenty-year-old were at that show where it was pro- predominantly like um, you forty know, and up. Oh, about 30, 30, 40 and up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The big metal heads, and then there's just us two <laughs> with our conservative short haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was still in high school then. I didn't, I didn't have the freedoms. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, We've gotten to the end of this podcast. We've gone a bit longer than expected. We, I all, we all, I can, all I can say to, to top off that that little uh, music discussion, especially with Prince, is that uh, check out on YouTube Prince. If you're out there and you're like, they're banging on about Prince, you know, and what's the deal with Prince? YouTube uh, Prince Live Montro, or it might be labelled Prince Live Switzerland, but the Montro Jazz Festival, um, that, there's two shows against like the two shows one night thing where you know if you didn't want to play an after show you know you just you just do it to the two shows in one night uh that is an amazing it's from 2009 an amazing mm. example of of his musicianship of him not just playing his own songs but also songs of people that have influenced him like Billy Cobham and Jimi Hendrix and, mm. and all these sort of people Joni Mitchell um it's a it's it's a cracker. It's a fucking great couple of great shows there. Um, that's definitely worth sussing out. I mean that red suit and the Fender Strat. Um, yeah, good stuff. Oh, so sure. suss that out, folks. It's, uh, it's it, a good one. And, and hopefully the Montreux folk will actually be allowed to release it on DVD at some point or Blu-ray because uh, I mean I've got the DVD rip bootlegged um, here somewhere and. It was meant to be released. Never did, but somehow, you know, got out there. And I was like, yep, I'll check that out. What is this? And then when I saw it, I was like, hello. How is this not out there for the people to buy and <laughs> consume and actually experience? You know, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, until the huge, until the estate, uh, the Paisley Park estate kind of pulls in the reins a bit more, you're going to have to uh, just, just suss out YouTube and, yeah, get yeah. the fix there. See what he was all about. There's a lot of hidden gems probably in that vault of his. Oh, oh yes. Gosh. Oh, yes, there are. Oh, there's yes. there's so, so many. and um, People don't realise just how much Prince actually wrote. Oh, That's yeah. it. Exactly right. And there's, there's projects that even that he released that people have no idea about, you know, whether it's a 48-minute a instrumental jazz fusion, you know, live performance in the studio that he released or a nine-track jazz album that is just bliss to listen to. You just put it on, you know, Sunday Arvo, glass champers or whatever, and you pop this on. Fuck, you know, it's good music. <laughs> There's things like that that are out there that people don't even know about, you know. it's um, So imagine all the gold that is is hiding away in the vault. Oh, oh I can imagine. Oh, that's the same with, like, any other musician that's, deceased like you think about it i'm sure there's like you know michael hutchins there's apparently a whole heap of stuff coming out now 
you know, that got recorded just before he passed away. You know, it's like the you never know <laughs> what the future holds. Yeah. Exactly. Who knows, maybe 40 years from now there might be a new album that comes out. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Exactly. Anyway, Josh, thanks for doing this. Uh, if the people want to contact you, where can they see you? Oh, thank you for, for having me on, guys. Thanks. I, I, uh, I appreciate it and as appreciate we, giving, giving us the platform to, to get stuff out there, such as plugs at <laughs> Wrestle Radio Australia is where you can find the podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Josh JD Armour. I'm not the big Twitter fanatic, but I do use it because it's one of those necessary evils with promoting something <laughs> such as a podcast. You have to have Twitter. So, oh, so I'm on there. I agree. Um, Facebook, just search Wrestle Radio Australia, and you can find the actual shows, the actual podcasts, which consist of WRA, Healing Out with Muhammad Ali, Vyas, OVW Legend, and if you're a wrestler out there, he's got a lot of bloody good advice, so he's worth listening to. Uh, Josh the Axe Shooter, who just had a chat with Digital Beard, Owen Jones, a great photographer, cool dude, uh, very sort of, kind of like what we've done here today, like a left of centre sort of chat. It's not all about the not at all about the ins and outs of wrestling, but, but you know, everything else that goes into it. And uh, and also drawing heat with Beach and the dude who, at the time of recording this right now, I'm just having a look. Uh, actually, no, they're in Perth. So with their crazy uh, time zone and whatnot, it's actually happening later on. But they're doing a live episode at Reawakening over in Perth. And that. then that will be online, I think, maybe tomorrow or the day after. So by the time you guys are hearing me now on DNT. Uh, you'd, you'd be able to enjoy that one. Uh, get it all at WrestleRadioAustralia.com or search WrestleRadio Australia in iTunes. Please subscribe. And if you dig it, tell a mate. And if you enjoyed DNT podcast, share it around. Podcasters, that's one thing we love is seeing that share button being used. So get onto Sharing it. Sharing the love. Sharing the love. Speaking <laughs> of sharing, you can find us over at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Tumblr. Just look up the DNT podcast. We're on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. Yep. Yep. You got it right. You can, right this you time. can, find, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram too at uh, Josh JD Armor, but you'll just get a lot of cat photos probably. So <laughs> <laughs> if you like cats, though, if you like cats, hey, give us a follow. Hashtag cats of Instagram. Hey, that's the one. <laughs> that's anyway, Josh, thanks for doing this. I've no, been Gavin. Thank you, guys. I've been Gavin. Yeah. This has been Jesse. We shall catch you on the flip side. <laughs>